Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV Podcast 492. I am John Van Derzen here, well, kind of, with Terry Miller. Johnny B, you seem to be uh, in motion here tonight. Me, not so much. I, I seem to be what? We're I'm sorry? Here, You're in motion. Uh, oh, yes. I... I, on, the other, on the other hand, not so much. Yes, I can move. You cannot. That is definitely the case with this. Um, as we know, Terry's on the other side of the world. He's in Koh Samui. And sometimes technology does or doesn't work. We tried for a little while on your phone. It didn't seem to, it kept dropping, kept dropping. And now we went back to your laptop and you were having an issue with your camera on your laptop. So instead what we did is we just, I grabbed the best looking picture I could find of you, AKA I Google image searched you and grabbed the first one. And it yeah, was this, yeah, all that tough work, uh, all that tough work. And now you're here, Terry, you're, you're, you're where, you're where you belong. I guess out, out on the course with a microphone and some sunglasses and some gel in your hair. Yeah, well, it, uh, it's a beautiful morning here in Samui. Again, very special guest in Luke Butch. And, and before we even get into talking here with Luke, this kind of goes as part of that whole island life concept. It was two days ago that I took all of my heaviest stuff and I threw it into my other suitcase. That included a bunch of the audio and video equipment that I forgot <laughs> I might have needed uh, for having a, a guest. And I took all of that. I put it into a suitcase, I helped the lady pack it up, and shipped almost 50 pounds to Chiang Mai, which is probably, I don't know, 500 miles, more, maybe 1,000 miles, shipped it all to Chiang Mai, it's going to get there in two days, and 50 pounds of luggage cost me uh, just under $9. <laughs> so, for everyone back in the U.S. that's familiar with shipping anything, tell me the last time you shipped a 50-pound package across the country for nine dollars uh it's that's all part of it but anyway so that's where that's where the rest of the audio video equipment is and right now i've got uh the man in charge here on samui island of samui disc golf luke butch luke good to have you did you have you been it's wednesday morning here the tournament concluded on sunday night did you have a chance to take a breath yet yeah, yesterday, Monday was a little bit busy cleaning up, and of course, when you're running a six-day event with AMs and pros on different days, well, the AMs who played first, they watched the pros for three days, and Monday morning, they want to come and play the course before they leave town. In fact, uh, spoiler alert, the MP40 winner, Mark, who I played with during rounds two and three, he's on the course as we speak playing another round of golf uh as you said people seemingly can't get enough of it yeah and i understand if you're headed back to a cold climate you want to get in as much good weather disc golf as you can well it has been incredible here and i think let's speak to that for a moment you say six days i think a lot of people don't compute and think about just a regular two or three day tournament wow explain what you mean by six days so we had a total of 166 players, I believe, which, and we only have an 11-hole course. So that meant running for the first three days of MA2, MA3, FA1, uh, MA40, MA50, MA60. We separate those into two, a morning and an afternoon flight. And so we had 57 players on the first half of the tournament. 
uh, for over three days. And then on the second half, we ran three flights to accommodate demand of 109 players. And that meant a 9 a.m., a noon, and a 3 p.m. tee-off. Yeah, so plenty of, and, and this year, all about that three flights, as you just mentioned, that was an adjustment. That's not something that we've had for the last few years. That was an adjustment simply to accommodate more players because uh, the 88 spots wasn't there, enough. There is, that is a challenge here when you're trying to plan the event, is that you don't know what divisions, who's going to come. Who's going to sign up for which division? Uh, when, what time they have free on their holiday, or if there are more uh, people coming from Asia, when they can make it? And so you kind of just plan and hope it kind of works out. And this year it was a bit more uneven. And in previous years before COVID, we had more um, lower-rated players and fewer pros. So, and hopefully next year uh, it'll balance out more evenly. Yeah, and so we invite everyone to make sure you come here. What's great is a number of the players may compete on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then they turn around and actually compete on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if your ratings obviously qualify. Or sometimes you may have an MA, MA40 and then uh, you know turn around and have an MA1 or MA2 or whatever, and if they're on separate, you, you, you may play in a slightly different division than you're used to, um, but... If you qualify for more than one, you should certainly give it a give it a go. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people, uh, some people are obviously here to compete. They treat it as a bit more serious tournament, and they're in it to win it. And others are just here for the holiday, and they just see it as, oh, I can play more golf. Uh, I had a great time the first few days. I want to play more. Sign me up. Now, when we talk about, well, let's go right to the – 11 holes. A lot of questions that I got asked this weekend in showing up and a lot of questions that come from both players and and maybe even surrounding community people. People ask, is it, can we expand? Do we go from 11 to whether it's 14 or, or ideally maybe some would have, of course, suggest 18. What's, what are some, what are some of the conversations and or restrictions that we have? I had questions when I took over the rings from Nigel Mills, uh, the founder and previous owner, is that, well, am I going to change holes? Am I going to make it harder? Uh, are we expanding, et cetera, et cetera? Well, we're quite limited in space. Um, Samui is extremely expensive uh, property value. Extremely. Uh, I personally think overvalued. And... So the land we use now is actually the course is made up of five different people's property. And this is just un, basically unused property that was previously nothing was there, uh, just some coconut trees. And we talked to the landowners and said, hey, can we clean it and use it? And, uh, you know, for the time being, basically. And they said, OK, and they like having it clean. And uh, a recent area we cleaned, the landowner is now asking, like, Hey, maybe we can clean a little more and, you know, um, so that's, that part is great. We're in a good situation here where, um, the people who do own the land are, are very happy to have us and nothing's going anywhere. However, some of the area surrounding the course is lower land, which stays wet almost year round, which would not be ideal for playing. And also we have. I was thinking of this earlier when me and Terry talked last night is that 
we haven't, I don't know anywhere else in the world that has more first time players and maybe only one time players come play as we do here because we have tourists um, throughout the year that are on Samui that are staying maybe five, 10 minutes from the course and they are a family or two couples or a couple and they're just looking for something outdoors to do that isn't going to the beach or something water involved. They're just looking for something unique and different. And they come to play and they play one round of 11. And that seems to be nine to 11. That seems to be good in that it's about an hour for a group of four, hour, hour and a half, which is a reasonable tourist activity, I feel like. Yeah, and, and, and that's such a great point. I think a lot of people lose that. We obviously, you know, when you're diehard disc golfer, you want as many holes as possible and you think of the very traditional and obvious 18. I'm, I'm not trying to fool anybody in thinking that's not the normal amount. However, as this has developed into being 11 and it's relatively short, it probably plays closer to like a nine hole or maybe yeah. even eight hole course would on a lot of your, your more difficult tracks. And so it, it's not overwhelming. And it gives everybody, like you said, that break to go out and play at a very modern. And if you want more, well, you just play it again. And you're already familiar with the 11 holes. So you, then you can go just get it in again. I don't know. It, it is a very fair question that everyone has asked it. However, it's not a top priority or a concern as of this point. So I just want to, I guess, put that out there for the world. Luke and I are on the same page as that. If there are some neighbors and or some other property owners that are that make it obvious that we can tie it in. That's a consideration, but by no means is it a top priority by, you know, something that we're looking at doing tomorrow. So, uh, one, I, a bit eye-opening to me uh, after I took over management here is as tourists come, our first hole is our shortest. It's only 145 feet about, uh, 44 meters or so. And they've never, they may have never thrown a disc before, a frisbee at all. And they look at that as being extremely far. And that is by far the shortest hole. And so we have a a very strange situation where we have to make it the course challenging enough for experienced players. And I think it proved that for the most part this past week. Mm -hmm. And yet it has to be straightforward enough and easy to see the baskets and uh, clean, clean cut and straightforward. So that a tourist, a first-time player, can get through without any hassles, without losing any discs, um, and, and still be enjoyable for them. Well, uh, I guess one of the things that I would throw at you as well. Let's let's back up because some people, you know, when this news broke of of me helping out and stepping in, and then you being here on site, understandably, you you've been out of the U.S. for more than a decade. Some people are saying, well, who's the guy on the island? Who's overseeing things? Who's taking care of stuff? Well, because I'm physically clearly not there 51 weeks out of the year. So give everyone just a little bit of your history or backstory, uh, disc golf, and then even, you know, okay. the time uh, the Sure. Well, I started playing disc golf when I was about 12 years old. I'm 38 now. Um, my friend's dad, uh, Paul O'Keefe. Uh, he took, he, I was in Boy Scouts. He brought a basket and a bunch of ABRs to a meeting one day, showed us how to play, got us to the course for a world's biggest disc golf weekend. Uh, yeah, second that's, weekend that's May, go, yeah, that's, that's going back. And, uh, the following year we started playing league and, uh, about once a week. And then it went from there. And so I've been playing, I've, 
uh, taken breaks for a couple of years here and there through the years. And, but I've also gone to played a lot of big events, uh, been playing tournaments for 20 something years, been running tournaments for about 20 years, uh, probably at least 20 years for the last 20 years. So, uh, kind of felt like I've done it all. And I used to live in Bangkok where I didn't play any disc golf. I would just come down on holiday to Koh Samui maybe for a month a year. And two years ago, I moved to Samui. And then this opportunity to take over the course kind of fell in my, into my lap at the right time. Yeah, and so you and I have had, I, obviously, you've gone international, but you and I have had similar paths in, in terms of when we found the game, uh, the people that we were surrounded with, the, the same, almost the exact, along with Johnny, the exact same like generational disc golf and you know kind of the old school not just regime but the old school way of doing everything you know back when you started running tournaments we were doing everything on excel spreadsheets and you had like 30 days to submit it and now people if if the scores aren't up and and or live people are losing their minds and you you waited for the vhs tapes for the world championships six months after worlds happened like those are all the same experiences that you've shared with Johnny and I. I remember how awful those Excel spreadsheets were to upload, the P- upload to the PDJ site or to email them. I can't yeah, recall. Yeah. And that was an upgrade thanks to, I think, Chuck and okay. a few of those guys. Like the Excel spreadsheet that had a whole bunch of macros in it, that was even in itself an upgrade. I, before that, it was paper. I never did that, paper thankfully. Results. I think. Yeah, so that, that gives you guys a little bit of, uh, of where we've come. And where we're at now, uh, no secrets, I don't think. Well, I've told the world, so I hope you don't mind. Uh, you, One of the things that brought you international originally in the first place was the fact that you were a professional poker player and yeah, banned used to, it in the U.S. Used to that play was, a, poker. was that an IP thing? <laughs> an um, IP address thing? Could, could we get no, I, I, think, I think I moved to Thailand beforehand, okay. before they banned it. Um, it was a good reason to continue staying here, mm. but it was more that I... Uh, was a had the freedom to travel uh, wherever I wanted, and then a bit freedom in work times and schedules. Sure. And so that gave me the opportunity to come to Thailand at the first time, and I kind of fell in love. And then a lot of things worked out really well for me when I first moved here. Uh, in terms of friends, in terms of housing, everything went really well initially. And I think if you talk to a lot of uh, foreigners who live abroad. I think you'll find a similar story for a lot of us. If like they end up staying for a long time, things went pretty well at the start and like had something went poorly. Maybe I moved to a different country. Maybe I moved back to the States. I don't know. Yeah. And, and we missed out Johnny, we missed out on a major opportunity. We should have had him opening the show in Thai, which is, uh, yeah. Let me just say, I've said it a hundred times, probably even last week. I love everyone that speaks multiple languages. It's phenomenal. Give us your background in in learning the language, and then uh, how how applicable and or and or necessary maybe uh, do you find that skill is, and how much what do, what do you rate your tie? Let, let's start there. What do you rate it? Uh, I I would rate it for for a foreigner on Kosamui. I'm an eight out of ten. Okay. Now okay. for a foreigner anywhere else in Thailand, I'm probably a five out of ten. Oh, and okay. Because. Samui being a very tourist-friendly island, uh, every sign is in English. Every menu is in English. You do not need Thai for the most part. Now, when I took over uh, the disc golf course, and and I now live at the house at the course, 
well, there were a lot of repairs and upgrades and things I want to do. Well, that's, that involves dealing with the local repairman who does not speak a word of English. Okay. And so, and the, the landlord who does not speak a word of English. And so that, then that my Thai language skills became very helpful. Yeah, it, uh, it has been incredible watching you interact. And I, and I guess just to pull back the curtain, you know, another inch or two, uh, there's a certain number of regulations and restrictions. And I talked about this very openly when we, you know, when the announcement was about the course and, and acquiring the course. We have to have uh, Thai people here working, doing certain tasks that just have to be done yes. by Thai nationals. Is that correct? Yeah. Foreigners are not allowed, are quite restricted in what we can do in terms of employment. Um, and even like as my title, my work permit title is general manager, I'm still not allowed to do quite a lot. And so uh, we have full-time Thai staff. Uh, every day. And then we also have Thai staff who will come like this past week, we had four extra workers during the tournament week because of you know, how busy it was. Sure. Sure. And, and just to clarify, I mean, if you wanted to go out and, uh, you know, mow or, or pick up sticks or do something like that on the course or, uh, <laughs> I think that's coconuts. allowed yeah, round up coconuts, not a problem, but certain, certain, um, financial things and whatever, uh, is when we're entrusting ties to uh, to help us out and be part of the process, really. Yeah. And clearly, like you said, the fact that, you know, there was a, uh, additional employment, kind of like contract workers, yeah. additional contract workers for an entire week uh, as the tournament comes in. Yeah, it's just a little blip on the radar, but almost 200 golfers showing up for a weekend is going to provide a, a legitimate economic impact to a number of Thai people. Yeah, and I'm sure the local restaurants, I know a lot of people were, staying nearby the course this year. Sometimes they're more spread out throughout the island. And this year it seemed like almost everyone I talked to was staying within five, six minutes of the course. And because they want to be nearby, it's a, it's a good area. It's not too crowded near us, but it still has a lot of restaurants and bars and stuff to do other than the disc golf. Um, yeah, and I think that's one thing that maybe I need to do a better job. And I, and I know a lot of the other uh, players here this week will is advertise all of the non-golf stuff that you got to make sure to take in, whether that's going down to the, some of the piers, whether that's jumping onto one of the other islands like we did yesterday, yeah, the ferry, uh, finding the waterfalls, going zip lining, elephant sanctuaries, uh, temples to, to go visit. There's wild nightlife, if that's something you're into. There's obviously endless opportunities of uh, authentic food everywhere you turn. Like, there's... There's a lot of things. There's motorbiking. I mean, uh, I, I I kind of unofficially timed that if it's the middle of the night and there's very little traffic, you can zip around the island in almost exactly an hour. Like if, yeah, if you're trying cool. to get around it quickly. Now, you do that in the middle of the day with traffic, even as an aggressive driver, you're probably talking an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45. But if you were racing yourself to get around the island in one tr in one uh, quick loop it'd be about one hour to get all the way around so what 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 do you what do you what would be your number one recommendation outside of golf for the first timer that comes here and you're thinking hey while you're here this is something else that's popular or something else you you should probably go check out well i'll mention one idea i talked with a couple friends yesterday about 
Um, they're off to do a boat trip. And what I'm hoping for for next year's Simui Swine is that when you're signing up for the tournament, you're able to check a box and prepay for let's rent a boat, get about 30 or 40 of us on a boat and go out on a snorkel trip with just disc golfers on the boat. Yeah. And I think that's really doable. I wanted to make it happen for this year. I wasn't able to, but I recently talked to a friend who, you know, someone knows a guy with a the boat rental, and I'm sure we're going to be able to hook it up for next year. So I think that would be pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, the water's great, and there's some great snorkeling places, and I think it would be a great time. I agree. And, and Sarah Holcomb, a couple of years ago when she was here, kind of took the reins and and helped orchestrate uh, a group. And uh, it was it was so much fun. I remember James Conrad and, uh, and his girlfriend, along with um, – so many others that all jumped on the boat. Tons of us golfers. Uh, I remember Maya from Croatia, uh, Gary Tadio, all of us just jumping on, you know, going to the south side of the island in that case, and then going out for a day trip, visiting another island. Is that Pig Island? Yeah. Is that what it's, is that what it's yeah. called? I mean, there are pigs there, so I'm assuming that's Pig Island. Uh, it's, it's such a good time. And then real quick, I'll say yesterday, we had the pleasure, uh, I kind of helped orchestrate about 10 or 12 of us that, ultimately got on a ferry went to a, a nearby island and we played another disc golf course speak just a little oh. bit uh, you know what that process has been for miko or or what conversation yeah you've had with them. Um, miko who's from finland he opened a course a nine-hole course in Copenhagen, which is the neighboring island to kosamui uh, and while it does not have an airport there are ferries running uh, non-stop almost uh, from Kosamui all day to get there. That is the island for anyone who knows or heard of the full moon party. Um, that's quite popular. It draws 10, 20,000 tourists every month for the full moon party. Yeah. I've never been. That's not really my scene, but very popular. And so it, it's a different, a little bit of a different vibe to that island, a bit more relaxed, um, a bit more. Uh, I don't know. It's a little more laid back. Yeah, and, laid back. And, uh, dare I say, even less expensive. And it's crazy to think, relax. When you think about Samui, most people are like, hey, man, this is island life. I love it. But to go there, it's even a notch lower than that. Uh, not quite as crazy tourist-wise, right? Not as not as much, except for the few days around the full moon, which is pretty crazy. But still, it's, it's a good-sized island. And uh, Miko set up a nine-hole course, and he purchased baskets from... Pichet, who was uh, on, on round one feature, feature card, yep. uh, he makes baskets, or his uh, factory does, which has been awesome because now there's someone producing baskets in Thailand who's Thai, and I'm starting to work with him and another person uh, looking at getting baskets um, in the new city. Uh, tra- wait, 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 we have a Smashbox exclusive here, folks. we got to give it its full proper due. Luke, you, you've got some big news. What can you share about that? Yeah, we're trying, uh, hopefully going to be buying baskets from Peachat. Um, I'm working with a, a friend of mine in Trot, which is a city on the far east side of Thailand, near the Cambodia border, near Koh Chang. And he's been, he learned how to play on Komak, a course started by uh, Palm Holiday. And he has talked to someone, he's secured land. I'm hoping to go there next month and design a nine-hole course. And then we'll be trying to get sponsorship uh, for baskets and tea signs. 
and put in the course before the end of this year. Wow. That's, uh, well, uh, tell him or I'll tell him, tell them, whatever. I'm, I'm in. I want, I want to sponsor. Okay. I want to sponsor the first basket there if I can. All right. Uh, great. Uh, with that being said, how many courses, you know, we, we've had conversations and I'll talk with Aaron up in Chiang Mai, uh, who's working on some great stuff in the tournament, which I'll be heading up to tomorrow. Uh, when it's all said and done, uh, off the top of your head, how many courses are officially now in Thailand? I believe about 10, okay. 9 or 10, and with uh, one soon to be announced, I hope, uh-huh. and then hopefully this one, and after I go to Trot, I'm hoping to go to the northeast of Thailand and work, possibly get a course going up there as well. Okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, that is absolutely incredible. I, I was going to say, I think I've already been to four or five out of the 10 that you're thinking of. I know there's one or two I... Uh, for sure that I need to get to, and I will in due time. But uh, crazy to think that, you know, where Johnny and I live or, or anywhere in the States, uh, usually within an hour, you're finding anywhere from 2 to 20 to 30 courses, depending on where you live. Uh, so to think there's 10 in the entire country just shows you where we're at, but yet all that opportunity for growth. How many How many well, total people in Thailand is the next question per capita? 68 million. Okay. so. 10 courses for 68 million. Um, there's some growth opportunities. Yeah. And I, I've been really happy the last year or two. There have been a lot, huge development in this works in general for Thai people and Thai university students. So now I'm, if you want to follow flying this Thailand or Thailand flying disc association, I think on Facebook, uh, they're running ultimate tournaments for university kids and high school kids. And I'm watching teams travel for ultimate tournaments now within the country. And that's great to see because those, some of those people know about disc golf. Some do play. They don't, they might not have a course yet, but at those ultimate tournaments, there's always someone that looks like setting up a basket with some discs and kind of showing it. And they're trying to introduce guts and disc golf. And I love to see them play DDC. I, I haven't played that in 20 years or something. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a whole other beast than I think a community out here. All right. One of the, one of the wrap-up questions I'm going to have for you is one of the best parts that I love about traveling is seeing these players and then if they step off the island or they go to somewhere else, not only knowing them, but then knowing something about their game and seeing that they're the next superstar. We ran into that in Singapore last week. Uh, so uh, I've kind of got my finger on the pulse there. Last year, we were introduced to Pichette, uh, who was just phenomenal. I saw him both here at the Swine and in Chiang Mai. Also viewed Giorgio, who uh, was sponsored by Prodigy and was out there touring around. He was a Thai national. My question out of all that is, who, who might be on our radar? Who, if, if they went to a Worlds, or, or just you think has growth potential? Maybe, maybe not on the national or international scene for a little while. But who who here locally? Do we have a couple players? On Samui, I would say no. Okay. Uh, mainly because our local players are usually a bit older. Yep. Uh, they're foreigners. They're older. They're retired or semi-retired here. Um, at 38, I'm one of the youngest. Uh, <laughs> okay. It seems like. Well, I don't know if I can answer that yet, but hopefully after I take a trip next month up north and meet some new players, and especially a lot of the university students, I'm sure one will come out and who's 
I've met a few Thai, uh, younger Thai guys who basically have learned from online. Mm. They've learned watching YouTube. They sometimes have learned and ordered discs and bags from the States without even having a local course. And they are just so dedicated. And so I'm going to be curious if I run into a couple. I can think of a couple off uh, top of my head that if I run into them and see where their game has changed, because maybe they have a course now that they can practice all the time. Sure. And so I think one of those people uh, will end up being, you know, the, the next one to come up and, you know. Compete. All right. And our FPL winner this weekend is, spoiler, uh, where, where is she from? She is from Johar Baru, Malaysia. Okay. Um, and she learned disc golf. Her name is Lily. Mm-hmm. She learned disc golf at the, during COVID, yeah. like many people. And uh, she now has been living on Samui for a bit over a year. And I did see her practicing quite a lot. At the end of the day, she was coming. And she was, pra- she was coming at 5.30 and staying till after dark. Um, avoiding people, trying to just get in a quiet practice round by herself. And I saw her training quite hard the last month for the tournament, and it paid off. Well, it certainly did. Uh, Lily Rasang yes. is her name. Uh, we'll continue to look for her. And another name who I, I think we're going to see this upcoming weekend, who is also from Thailand. Uh, her name is, she goes by Jenny. But uh, how, would you, how do you pronounce her name? Jeropong Papakalang. Okay. I mean, <laughs> your attempt is a hundred times better than mine will ever be. So, um, but she goes by Jenny. Uh, she's one of four FPO competitors that we'll see this weekend. And same thing. Like if she keeps grinding, she keeps pushing forward. PDJ number 273,481. Uh, only 813 right now. But one of those women that seem like she wants to take it serious, and uh, and she's got a great mentor and, and helper in Pichette, right? This is my first time meeting her okay. and seeing her play was this weekend, but I know she's played one or two events previously. Um, and like we said, with not so many courses and not so many events, we're growing and we have more, but it's not like there's an opportunity to play or compete every weekend. Mm-hmm. So... The one thing I think some of those players I've seen lack is just experience. It's just going to take time. And as we get a few more courses and as there's more, there are tournaments now that are just being run uh, basically by Thai people, not PDJ sanctioned, uh, not uh, WIFDIF sanctioned, just more localized tournaments. As those younger Thai players gain more tournament experience, I think that's kind of what they need. They have, they have the throwing skills. Sure. Uh, but the experience and tournament experience under pressure, uh, they don't have yet. So that'll yeah. come with time. Yeah, uh, and all the nuances that go with playing in the tournament, like you said, some of that experience. Uh, a couple quick questions on the board that I, I would love to address here. Uh, Ed had said, uh, or had asked if there's a place on the islands to buy discs, or do they need to be purchased online? Uh, before we fully answer that, we have to say a huge shout-out again to Latitude64, for being the presenting sponsor of this weekend's event. It was great working with them and the fact that somehow we, you know, fingers crossed and everything else, uh, everything worked out so well for them to get shipped here, which can be a challenge. And uh, Latitude Step uh, 64 stepped up in such a major way that now there are a couple hundred discs that arrived on the island. Uh, every player on the AM sides got a 
a Latitude 64 disc as part of their player pack. There was also glow discs that were provided for uh, during the glow night on Saturday night here. So it's awesome that they were so gracious. And then with that, the the very, what we call the souvenir stamp, the uh, Samui souvenir stamp is now stamped on a ton of different molds. And those are available in the pro shop. But the pro shop overall is something that you want to continue to build out because how, how difficult is it to get good discs? It is. Latitude did help us out big time. That was uh, a major worry for me in that, you know, a few weeks out from the event, discs are still being shipped, and I don't know how long it's going to take or will they get through customs easily or will they make it to the house or do I have to go pick them up or whatever, and they made it here no problem. It was fantastic. Um but typically the way we bring this is I will order them wholesale and send them to someone in the States who will then bring them in their second bag. Sure. And so that's, we're talking 25 to 50 to 70 discs at a time. And so that's a quite a challenge here. Um, but it is, we do have a pro shop now with Samui Disc Golf. Um, we have discs for sale. We have towels, minis, um, Soon to come birdie bags, I hope, or something similar, a whale sack, something like that. Um, we got shirts. We got snacks. Uh, we'll have you covered. We have a good selection of discs thanks to Latitude. And so if you come to Samui Disc Golf or if you're in Thailand and need a disc, send us a message on Facebook. We'll figure it out. Yeah, and, and we've talked about, you know, I, I kind of extensively talked about the challenges with getting them here on the island. So anytime any time of year that you might be coming here or to this area or even just getting to Thailand, as I just mentioned, shipping, if you, if you're going into Bangkok, you could just even get them into Bangkok and could spend the extra half hour to get to the post office for us to ship them over. And, and you know, a, a 50 pound pack costing just $10 will certainly uh, make it worth your time. But that's one of the big challenges. And then one of the last things we'll talk about, which as you said, is maybe one of the biggest accomplishments of the whole weekend. Yes, 166 people, uh, you know, over six days, plus glow, plus putting competition at the boat bar, uh, and everything else, you posted a picture of a tabletop, and uh, what was on there, and what does that mean? So, I had been asked by PeaChat and others who are looking to introduce disc golf into uh, local Thai schools, that they need discs. Basically, any disc, secondhand disc, new disc, all this, whatever. They need this uh, because, you know, for us in the States, disc golf is a cheap sport, uh, really low cost barrier to entry. But when you're talking about a normal type person, an average type person, a disc is a day's salary uh, for a regular worker. And for a school kid, you know, that's going to, that they can't afford that maybe. And so I kind of put out the call to any everyone should who's coming from abroad needs to bring to re, to sign up for the tournament you need to bring at least one disc to donate to mm -hmm. tie kids I like and then i i've mentioned that if you bring more i would be happy to give you a beverage of your choice for each disc after that uh very few people took me up on that and anyways at the tournament we received over 200 discs and also not this weekend but because of that kind of uh, call i put out for for this there were another about 70 discs that we previously got last month and so now we're talking about 270 discs that can be spread about around 
different schools throughout Thailand to help them grow. So anytime you're coming to any developing um, disc golf scene, yeah. country, be it Thailand, uh, Cambodia, Cambodia, Laos, Laos yeah, anywhere in the world that's starting to grow disc golf, and you can ask your local league, ask your local club, hey, I'm going here. Does anyone have any used discs to donate? And usually we, we all have too many discs back yeah. home. And so I've done that previously, and it was easy to get 100 discs. And so anytime you go and think, hey, look, I got a room for a few more and bring some old putters or something because, you know, you could change a, a Thai, Thai person's life. You never know. If they get into disc golf and follow that path and who knows where they could end up. Yeah, it, uh, it is incredible. And we talk about growth of sport and everyone has their, you know, their thought on that. But when you're talking about Southeast Asia or like you said, any developing area, getting the discs in the hands, getting them to people to try it out for free, not having that financial burden or barrier, uh, that initial cost, just being able to hand somebody an old beat up disc of any kind, uh, like you said, could absolutely change somebody's life and, and turn them into uh, you know, one of our next superstars. Uh, because it's happening in, in the moment, and I thought about it a lot this week, what is that bird? I do not know. Sorry, I can't help the you. The one that makes that I know which stopped. one you I just call it out and it stopped chirping. That noise. Yeah, I know which Any one idea? you're talking about. I do not know. Sorry. All right. Well, we're going to have to. I guess that's maybe another reason to entice someone like a Madison Walker to get over here as well so she could uh, identify all the birds. She, she would love it. She might never leave. There's <laughs> so true. there's so many curiosities uh -huh. uh, that she could discover here. And I could hook her up with a, a round with a local Thai player whose name is Joy. Who can basically point out everything edible? All okay. oh, so many things that are edible and what they're used for, and how you cook them on the course. Uh, Madison would definitely love it. Okay, well that uh, that sounds about right. I mean, even just coming back to my bungalow on any given night, uh, I had snails that were on the sidewalk. Uh, at one point, I've got a collection of frogs. Uh, I've seen a whole bunch of other interesting uh, insects and whatever. Um, uh, and, and before I let you go, Luke, I also, and I should open this as well, uh, one of our favorite uh, Australians, uh, one of the greatest Australians in all of disc golf, uh, Luke Turnbull, is currently not feeling well. And so I know he's listening in. And Luke, we hope that your uh, recovery goes well. Luke's trying to get on a plane today, but uh, sickness may, uh, may have got the best of him. So we'll see. He may have to if you're going to get stranded, I guess stranded in paradise, as they say, isn't necessarily the worst thing. But I saw somebody asking about Australia. Um, and I've met a few new Australians, had the pleasure of hanging out with Lauren. Uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, excuse me, and Thomas. Thomas and Lauren, along with Corey. Uh, so I got to meet a few Australians. And then, of course, tons of new friends from all over. Uh, what, what did we count? Roughly 19 I think so. countries represented here this weekend? 19 countries, um, and that's, you know, that was almost part of the challenge. It's, uh, you have a lot of different players coming from a lot of different backgrounds. They're used to things running different ways and uh, a lot of different languages. While English is obviously the common language, some people are more fluent than others. And so uh, that can be a challenge, but it's also part of the, the family get-together atmosphere reunion feeling when you see people that you haven't seen in a, a year or four years since before COVID. Yeah. 
And that's why people, that's part of the reason people like to keep coming back. Yeah, it is truly, you know, I say Frisbee family all the time, but this is truly a family reunion then when you see all of these people and someone like we just mentioned, Maya from Croatia, uh, you know, her being here and knowing she was here pre-COVID and then just everyone else that is either experiencing it for the first time or has been making their sixth or eighth or whatever return trip, Greg Feshian from, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, area, not Grand Rapids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's been here eight or so years. Uh, and then one of my favorite parts is he is saying goodbye to everybody in, you know, the day or so after the tournament. And being, oh, never mind. I'll see you in Chiang Mai. Like, that speaks so much to the the growth and the development of this, you know, tour and this idea is I'm saying goodbye to people that I'll literally see, you know, in another part of the country in just another day or two. And that's a pretty cool feeling as people are trying to take it all in. So I absolutely love it. It's, uh, it's awesome. Uh, Luke, anything you want to say to all the, the smashies, the listeners, and the, you know, online uh, live or, or post? Anything you want to say before I cut you loose here? Hope to see you, hope to see you here on Koh Samui. Uh, we welcome you year-round. We got ten and a half months of fantastic weather. November can be a bit rainy, that's okay. all. But it's still warm and rain, so we have a great, great course here. Um, we hope to see you here. All right, everyone. That's Luke Butch. I'm going to cut him loose, and uh, we can start talking about all the other random disc golf stuff. But uh, appreciate it, Luke. And uh, yeah, what what an unbelievable experience this last weekend was. And for all the reasons that we just talked about, Johnny. And uh, yeah, I, I I I say it all the time. Now, I want people to say within the next few years, like, what you haven't been to asia or southeast asia to play disc golf uh as opposed to being surprised that you have i want people to be surprised that you haven't because it's just everyone that leaves here i feel like says okay we're coming back next year and i think (laughs) if they bring each bring one friend like we're gonna get real full real quick and and have to find a way to accommodate and we'll do just that so it's uh it's pretty incredible and it seems like you're on the right path, honestly, with uh, with what everybody is is doing there, and what, what you're doing there, and what, obviously what Luke's doing there, and just the word of mouth that's spreading about it. The event itself is filling up quicker and quicker, and you're having to accommodate more and more people. It's it's really an amazing transition. Yeah, and uh, so incredibly blessed to have Luke doing what he's doing here and being part of it. Uh, to to hold down the fort, so to speak, and to uh, make sure things run as smoothly as they do. Uh, clearly, this wouldn't be happening if uh, if it was a direct conversation, uh, not only me from afar, but also direct conversations with me and exclusively Thai national people myself. Uh, just things wouldn't be happening. Let's put it that way. Well, let's talk. All let's right. take let's take a minute to talk about the results of your Samui Swine Classic Eleven. Um, over at Kosamui with the tournament director, Mr. Luke Butch. Over on the MPO. I mean, I don't know if you can call it. If you, you want to wait for it, coverage, if you want to wait for coverage of it, MPO, yep, you we, should mute for the next uh, three to five minutes. There you go. Yes, just you just hit wait. that 30 second skip button about four or five times. Um, the winner, and again, I don't know if you can call him back to back, even though he won back to back years, it's in different divisions. Shasta Chris taking the MPO, and I believe last year he won MP40. So this year he he's, 
kind of I don't want I mean it's it sounds he's stepping up come well yeah he's stepping up coming from a, a guy who plays MP40 once in a while um it, it I don't want it to be like an insult that you know you're stepping up to play with the big boys but sure enough he steps up and wins by three strokes over uh was it Evan Boucher mm-hmm. who tied with our with Philo Brathwaite. And then from there, there was a, a significant drop, about 10 strokes, to, uh, uh, I'm going to mess this up, but who, Pichet. That's who we were just talking about. Yep. Uh, Patrick Kais and Christoph Novak. So those were your tied for fourth place. I'm not going to go any further because I'll just probably get myself in, uh, in trouble. Well, the next names are easier. They are. Uh, Joey uh, Polari, Joel, Andrew, Andrew Bailey, and Ken, and, and, and Ken Tovinger. Tuvinger, maybe. See, there you go. I already messed it up. Uh, that's your that's your top, basically your just about your top ten for MPO. Congratulations to uh, Shasta, who just continues to be amazing. He opens up the tournament with a ten fifty four rated round. Um, he, then he comes back with a thousand and three and a thousand and six. Just a, a a real solid weekend for him. Going down over to FPO, you already talked about her for a little bit, Lily uh, Rasang. Wins this by two strokes over Marissa Rosta from uh, New Braunhoffels, Texas. So Marissa comes in from well, the States. Well, for now. Well, for yeah, now. I, I, and her husband. Well, I say her and her husband were here. And uh, they're first timers. I uh, had dinner with them last night and got to know them a little bit better. They're going back to Texas where their bags are almost essentially packed. And they're moving back to California. Uh, so they're going to transplant back to uh, where they once were from in California. So uh, that's why I say for now. But th- they're a couple that said, oh, yeah, we're we're coming back and <laughs> we're here because we've seen the coverage and and we wanted some of that action. So, yes, uh, she shot a great final round uh, to get herself into that position. Yeah, she certainly did. And she tied with Margaret Patterson at one over par. And then at two over par was Kat Johnson. And in fifth place, a couple over that was Jay Cerdos. So that is your FPO out of Ypsilanti, Michigan. That is your FPO field, uh, your top five. Congratulations to the top five MPO and, or, and FPO, all the competitors that, that took, so, took home some wonderful... Mm, bot. I don't, what was taking that? Home bot. Taking home bot. I guess you're, you're taking, taking home, home bot. Memories? Uh, I was thinking more memories. That's where I was. I was thinking experiences, memories, but I guess you're taking home some bot too. So well, hopefully you're spending it. Actually, you're uh, continuing to support the uh, local economy and and whatnot. But I, yeah, I'm sure uh, they're. On, I'm sure the they're putting wall. more into <laughs> the economy than bot. they're taking out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, absolutely incredible, and and I got to meet so many of the competitors, MPO, FPO side, MP40. Of course, I, I played with a number of them. It was. Uh, just so many, there was a lot of new faces, of course, but just so many returning faces and then just staples that are here time and time again. And you absolutely love to see it. And like I said, plenty of people transitioning up to uh, Chiang Mai and heading up there. I know a couple of people are catching a flight today, including Margaret, who you were just talking about. I know her along with Shane, who is playing MP50. They're heading up there today. Uh, I'll be heading up there tomorrow. I don't have to practice, uh, unlike a lot of the other players. And so it's it's awesome to see um, 
people taking in. And it's a very different vibe, and I can't say that enough. What you experience here on the island in Samui, as opposed to what you get in Chiang Mai, it's still, of course, all Thailand. And there's a lot of similarities, but yet there's a lot of differences, uh, this, this island lifestyle, as opposed to what you find in the second biggest city of the country, of course, Bangkok being the largest and the, the most populated. Chiang Mai is the second largest city in the entire country. And it also has a, a lot of very special feels and vibes to it as well. So that's uh, all part of the process. And of course, Terry mentions that he, he doesn't have to practice only because he came out and dropped. I'm not playing. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. You came out and dropped a 975 rated second round. Look at that. Whoop, whoop. 956, 975. And then the third round, we, we don't know what happened. Um, I'm not sure if you lost an arm or what happened. Terry. I got bit by a scorpion. I got oh, bit by a scorpion. <laughs> a scorpion that was riding on a snake that bit you too. <laughs> um, unfortunately, finishing yeah. up the tournament with an 889 rated round. That, uh, uh, oh. that is that, that uh, is no, the epitome. No, not finishing up the tournament. Finishing the last nine, hole, uh, nine holes with about a, a 700 rating. <sighs> Uh, is how that all evened out. It was. Ouch. I started out the final Sorry. round phenomenal. I, I came in with a three-stroke deficit to Mart. Yep. Um, and after about n- nine or eleven holes, our first loop, I was like, "I'm not catching this guy." I think I was five or six under, and he was also five or six under. I'm like, "Okay, I'm. He's playing phenomenal. I'm playing pretty good. I'm not catching him." And then uh, I just decided to uh, <laughs> uh, knock it on the island of three. Uh, getting on Samui was easier, I guess. Not getting on the island and then like four putting from from twenty feet. It was um, it was it was thoroughly embarrassing. And then at that point, you know, any any ounce or shred of confidence I had was out the window. And let second place uh, uh, Benjamin. I gave him I think four or five strokes on that hole, and um, yeah, and then he was able to leapfrog me. So anyway, well, it is what it is. Um, uh, super happy to play with the guys that I did. So big, big shout out to Mart uh, for taking it down. Yeah, I don't know who on Facebook or I'm sorry, Twitter mentioned it uh, about your 975 plus rate around that. It's like your like 200th or something. 975. Come on, get it, get it right. 300, 311. Okay. 311th, 975 plus rated round. So congratulations on that, Terry. It's uh, what I, a funny I know stat. It is a funny stat, but just. I think. I mean, you're reaching, right? <laughs> a li- I mean, a little bit. Clearly, as we know, our top pros they eclipse that in in like a year or two, <laughs> like yeah. you know. But yeah. it, it goes to show that some people, and I think that is maybe the the impetus behind the post, don't realize the player that you at one point were or even can be at times. And so to put that out there a little bit is kind of nice. Is hey, look, Terry shot a nine seventy five rated round. You know, they didn't they didn't go out there and post that this is Terry's like 57th sub 900 rated round or anything, <laughs> uh, which I hope I don't even think I have that many. Let's let's I don't know. That, I, that record I, I literally just I know you're made up. it up. I don't know. Um, Hopefully I have less than like but, a dozen. But either way, anyway, yes, either. Either way, so congratulations. I, I hope I hope you had fun. We're going to talk a little bit about some other events that happened throughout the country of the United States. We're going to go over to Jacksonville, Florida, the NADGT Tour Finale, which a lot of you people are thinking like, what? Don't they normally do the Tour Finale in October or November? 
They normally do, but they didn't. Now it's in Jacksonville, Florida, February 1st through the 4th. We saw over in MPO, Corbin Michalski. Michalski. I dated a girl whose last name was Michalski, but it was spelled like Michael Olski, so it was Michalski. But this is a little different, so it looks like uh, Milcheski. It looks like Milcheski, who wins this, takes home $4,000. $4,000 for an NADGT event. Um, did he accept it? He did. That's the question, right? He did, because in second place, uh, Broden Barlow, who lost to him by five strokes, did not accept his. His prize is blank. But tied with him was Jonathan Juries, who did take the $2,000 and was probably happily walked away with a smile because he probably didn't have to split it with uh, with Broden. So so Corbin takes uh, first, Broden and Jonathan tied for second. In fourth place was Ryan Mon, M-O-N-N. You may know him because we have other pl- uh, pro player, Jake Mon. I believe they're brothers. And uh, fifth place, Cooper Johnson and Lucas Carmichael. So congratulations to your top five. I mean, the cash goes down a little ways, but I'm not going to bother going, there, going into all of that. But what I do want to say, uh, and we'll get into FPO in just a moment, Remember these names, because Corbin came out with a, or a 1025, 994, 997, and 1022. So he averaged about a 1010. That is a player who you will probably start to see on the tour in the next year or two, and you will know his name because we talked about it because NADGT. NADGT has been a great feeder event. The winner has seemed to have a, a, a pretty good place on the tour the last few years. Over in FPO, Ellie Ezra wins this one by a single stroke, taking home $1,500, which she, of course, accepted, over Ann Deputy. Ann Deputy uh, shot a 25 over par. Third place was Kimberly Dickerson, no relation to a Chris Dickerson. In fourth place, you have Lillianne Waite. And in fifth place, Isabella Parker. So congratulations to our FPO. Ellie Ezra, obviously... You know, probably the favorite. She was the highest rated, but she only did win by a stroke, shooting 906, 943, 912, and 861. And I think Ellie Ezra has a, a f- she is primed for phenomenal talent. I think it's probably her control that she will need to work on if she wants to, if, if she wants to really make a splash at the pro tour level. Um, your thoughts, Terry? Yeah, I mean, some other exciting announcements that I think came from her camp is the fact that she's also been now sponsored by DGA. Yep. We, we announced uh, that last goes, week. Yeah. Which goes hand in hand with, you know, I think a bigger conversation about DGA being a little bit more aggressive um, and, and, and acquiring some of these big players. They've got, uh, they've got a phenomenal young team right now. Yeah. Macy Valadez, I think, uh, I don't know if that was last week already. I'm again, I'm on Island time. But Macy, uh, with an announcement of her joining Team DGA as well in the in uh, recent time. So, yeah, uh, Eliezra, clearly uh, a, a bright young superstar, uh, very, very young, insane power, uh, insane speed, and just a, a love for the game that uh, will, will probably transcend um, all other uh, possible, um, not maybe not possible, but will we'll transcend a bunch of the other uh, sports or, or interests or hobbies or, or whatever. And if someone like her, completely dedicated and focused to being 
uh, a darn good golfer. Um, yeah, people people have to. You know, people often say, uh, with we've seen this this dominance and this insane play by Kristen over these last couple of years, and people are like, oh, she's going to win the next five worlds. Uh, the, o- the the only reason I hesitate on on phrases like that is because of women like Eliezra. Like uh, when if she puts it all together and she finds a way to do that in the next year or two, there's no reason someone like her couldn't come in and take down a world championship. It, yes, of course, Kristen is insanely uh, consistent and has proven herself as as one of the most elite women to ever play the game. Clearly, but. To say she's got, you know, this un un um, just this open path to nonstop success, I, I think is short sighted because of upcoming superstars like Ellie Ezra. Wow, words got tough there for a second. No, and, and that's, anyway, yeah, and that's fine. And I get, I get you. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see Ellie Ezra. You know, it, there's a very good parallel we can draw to Anthony Barella about five or six years ago. And insane power needs to work on control because I think, I hope there's not a lot of pressure on her to come out and perform like she did at USDGC because we saw what she can do at USDGC. We also saw what she can do at USDGC when she had that last round that was kind of abysmal, but we, we can absolutely watch a developing star and the FPO field, like you said, is getting better and better. I saw, I think two different posts today of, uh, women throwing like 500 feet. There's a 12 year old mm-hmm. who crushed and it was, it was downhill. So I don't want to, you know, uh, but she's 12. So it was slightly downhill down this thing. She threw it like 500 feet. It was a beautiful looking throw. And then there was another young woman on, uh, I, she wasn't 12. She looked like she was a little older than that. That was throwing close to 500 feet on Reddit. I, I think what you're going to see here is the, in the next five to six years, I think you're going to see, an explosion of FPO distance, which is going to be a lot of fun to watch and, and keep a lot of these other women that right now are, are, are very consistent. You know, they've got 300 to 350 dialed in. It's going to keep them on their toes. And I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch the FPO field expand over the next few years. Yeah, and only because I, uh, I maybe I'm not familiar. Was it possibly Genevieve Davis from from Wisconsin that you saw uh, th- throwing some big shots? I don't know, and and I don't want to discredit whomever it was if it wasn't her. But she just comes to mind. I know she's continuing to set and reset distance uh, distance records left and right from the uh, FPO or uh, from FA divisions and whatnot. And she's like twelve, uh, eleven or twelve uh, last. Last year, uh, just to, she's now sponsored by uh, Grip, and she's on the uh, Innova team, and uh, she's an FJ10 world champion, broke two world distance records last year, throwing 314 feet, uh, and that was last year. And then I just think she has a home course in her, literally at her home, in her backyard, and I know, you know, working on distance in her all-around game. So, and she's right here out of Wisconsin, so to speak. So, yeah, I'm fairly uh, certain. Big shout out to her. Yeah, I'm fairly certain it it is the uh, it is young young lady you're talking about MJ, and she's a two time major winner okay. and world champion in of a disc throw pink. Uh, her Instagram is at MJ underscore disc golf. So, 
Um, the, the, um, I, I think we're talking about different women. Which oh, got is it. Awesome. That, oh no, yeah, that you're right. This is confusion. This is M J G- uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Gager G A G E R Jager. Yeah. I'm sorry yeah. if I pronounce it exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah, this is that's the, the, that awesome. Great. I'm glad I got confused at that. I'm glad there's two I young know. women who are throwing, and it looks like she's got some Instagram uh, posts out there about her putting, which looks really good as well. Um, yeah, she. It looks like she's like knocking down these these 25 foot putts in her in the hallway of her house, just yeah. super mm-hmm. super smooth and and straight. Uh, amazing. I'm really again. I'm yeah. really excited for our FPO field in the next couple of years. It's it's inspiring. It really is. Yeah. So, uh, so awesome. Uh, congrats to our our NADGT, uh, you know, champions. I I think rightfully so. There's a little bit of confusion about like being the champion and then having the finale or where and when and what some of that means. Um, and, and I'll I'll put myself right in that bucket. I don't think I fully understand or comprehend. I'll have to. Well, I do know read that up the, or get up to speed. The winners got um, the. Uh, the the tour card for this event okay and, and as we said four thousand dollars and uh presented by uh, i got who who is the uh the place ivy company zenful 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 thank you zenful zenful provided uh the 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 sponsorship of that particular award for the winners of our field so oh very cool g- getting okay. getting that getting awesome. that uh, pdga or dgpt tour card We'll move a little All further right. north in Florida, and we're going to go to the 19th Open at Tallahassee, sponsored by Visit Tallahassee, uh, an, an event that Terry has been to in the past. Mm-hmm. Terry, there was a tie for first place. Nathan Queen and Ezra Robinson. Do you know who won? They both did. They both did. You're right. right? Third round was canceled yes. due to tornadoes. Um, normally, when you see that uh, someone at the top with the same score, there's a number two next to their name. But we got a double winner, Nathan Queen and Ezra Robinson. So congratulations. Uh, I mean, a, a slightly shortened event, but, you know, winner, winner, chicken dinner. It doesn't matter. Third place, Braden Sides. Fourth place, Albert Tom. And a tie for fifth place between Joey Anderson, Joseph Anderson, Joey Buckets, and Robert Burridge. So we, we're seeing... We're seeing some of these players that uh, are really getting warmed up for the season. And I, and I put out today, I, I sent out the Skip Ace uh, first newsletter of the year, and I put at the very bottom, Joey Buckets, I think, is going to be that name to look out for this year. The one that like almost nobody seems to know. And he, it's it's hard to be an underdog at 1031, but he's just one of those names that like you don't hear him talked about a lot. Um, but... He could be this year's Parker Welk. The guy here, you're like, wait, wait, he won? He won an event? And it's not going to surprise me at all. Yeah, and 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 for what it's worth, Joey Buckets was on commentary with me for, I believe, that Tallahassee event last year. Uh, did a phenomenal job with it. He's a very well-rounded player. Uh, I've seen him, and now he's been on my coverage of my channel on a few different events, including Throwdown the Mountain. Um, so I, you're right that he might not, and he, he has had some time on DGN, uh, as well. So he has been on, you know, some other coverage. Uh, you're right. He's not necessarily a household name, but soon enough, one that you are going to clearly hear 
more and more often and is establishing himself and is having a good time while he's doing it. And I think there's something to be said about that. Just kind of the <laughs> approach to the game, the way in which you carry yourself on the course, the, the, the interactions, the, the crew of friends that he hangs out with. Uh, a lot of really good kids, which I, I feel comfortable using that word for some. We're so old, Terry. Old. We're so yeah, old. I know. Like, I look, know. Look, you hang out with a good group of kids. You're you're not out causing trouble. <laughs> yeah, these uh, these guys that are you know traveling around the country, uh, you know, chasing their dream of being professional disc golfers and succeeding. It's it's absolutely awesome to see. So, yeah, uh, nothing but uh, shout out to him and of course your co champions. this is this is where (laughs) it's funny how the first thing that my mind goes to when i see co-champions like that is first of all some difficult probably maybe some unfavorable for some you know decisions that got made some difficult decisions for the tds and the staff and the crew that nobody loves to make nobody wants to shorten event all of that stuff the first thing that my mind goes to is oh man what a pain in the ass for the next 20 years you have to like list two people as the previous champion and i just think about you know i think it's worse if you have like if you have like one of those trophies that doesn't travel like let's say like the bear from the the preserve like now you got to put two names on it as opposed to just one name Uh, it's just just one of those bizarre circumstances uh, where, you know, listing previous champions then find, kind of feels weird and then it adds confusion. And it's all like, what, semantics? And it's 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 not that big of a deal, but it does feel very weird at the same time. So, uh, and that's the TD in me speaking uh, exclusively. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I feel that pain of uh, kind of that weird, uh, you know, situation moving forward. But anyway, it is what it is. I mean, it uh, happened at Ledge. them both. Yeah. It happened yeah, at Ledgestone exactly. a Vinny, few years ago. Uh, so Yeah, Vinny and Ricky. Uh, and one of the first big times we really saw it happen, though, mm-hmm. um, it, it was, uh, was it Paige and Hannah, or was it Katrina and Hannah uh, Leatherman? It was, it was Hannah yeah. Leatherman, and, and I want to say it was Katrina, because I think Paige, like, bogeyed her last hole. And so maybe it was uh, Katrina that was out in front, but, you know, would be. Paige have played it differently, knowing it was her last hole in Emporia that year? Like mm-hmm. that's the situation that jumps out at me um, as one of the first, you know, really big events where we did officially end it in a tie due to weather. So, all right, uh, and we'll talk awesome. about FPO. We'll go over to FPO. Yep. Um, in first place was Stacy Kiefer, who won in a playoff. They actually got to playoff. Okay. They got to play all three rounds. Um, she tied with Sarah Hokum, but ended up beating her in the playoffs. So Stacy Kiefer, who's nine thirty eight rated. Takes home a thousand and forty four dollars. Um, I think there's a good rule. Anytime you can make more than what your rating is, it's a good day. Mm. Okay, um, that's, that's fair. Uh, Sarah Hokum at nine fifty five takes home seven hundred thirty one dollars. So she didn't have a good day. She took home less than her <laughs> rating. <laughs> uh, Holly Finley uh, went taking. In, I'm sorry, taking third place at. $452 tied with Morgan Linz and in fifth place, Deanne Carey. Congratulations to the FPO on this particular thing. All right. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, I, I'm sure the entire Tallahassee crew, like I said, probably struggled mightily with making some tough decisions that no one wants to make, but mm-hmm. uh, they're a very, very smart, well-organized 
club and crew and I'm sure they did what was best uh, overall, even if a few people ultimately didn't like it. I, I, I uh, it, it wholeheartedly happens. trust them. I, I bet you yeah. everyone, I bet you the two guys who tied for first, they had no problem with it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I mean, they, no, you, no. If you, you have, no, if I'm you sure. have, Nathan Queen hasn't won a big event in like four or five years, other than the Pro Tour finale, which wasn't sanctioned, I think, technically. Um, I bet you he was happy to walk you away and be like, "Win it outright." Everybody eh, wants, yeah. I, everybody wants to win it outright. But if you, if like, if you have the opportunity, take take the win, man. Take the win. I bet you he walked away with a smile on his face and money in his pocket. So, yeah. All right, Terry, are you ready for some uh, bum 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 business talk? Yeah, let's uh, let's. let's, let's uh, well, I guess who's business. I mean, I well, feel like every week is business talk. Well, it so means who's get, business? Getting down to some business. Smoothie disc golf business? No, we already talked about some smoothie disc golf business. We're going to talk about some business in the state of Kansas. Okay. Jerem, Jeremy Roscoe purchased the country club, the Emporia Country Club. There's a, a an article on the Emporia Gazette. Shout out to the Emporia Gazette. We are... Uh, we have a few connections there from way back when. Um, there's an article by Ryan Brooks who talks about um, the sale of the Emporia Country Club is now complete to the DD founder, Jeremy Rusco. Um, I know there's been some, there's always some kickback about the Dynamic Discs Open and the course and whether people want to see us play there and whatnot. And I've, I've said in my take that I love to see us play there because it's a different kind of golf. You may not find the course extremely exciting where you're hitting gaps, but in general, it challenges our players to a different style of golf where you've got wide open fairways with wind that these players need to really focus in on. We don't, there, I was going to say, we don't see a lot of that, but there are on and off years where we get a lot of wind having Jeremy Rusco as the owner of the country club. I feel like opens up, so many more doors at that establishment and options that now things that maybe we couldn't do before because of the country club, there's no holds barred there now. So uh, first of all, congratulations to Jeremy. Uh, Let's, let's start there. Second of all, man, you, you get turned down for a membership. And that's how you react. You just turn around and buy the place out. Like that seems a that seems a bit extreme. <laughs> no, just kidding. I I don't think he was turned down. Um, I I saw the headline. I've heard of this potential rumor for a few years. Yeah, same here. And it's not one I go running around with because I, I I generally am not much for the rumor mill uh, unless I really know what I'm talking about. And. To see it kind of pop up while I'm over here in Thailand, I saw the headline. That's about as far as I got. And and maybe I had a different reaction than most because like you, if you heard murmurs or possibilities of it, you weren't, I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Like that wasn't my reaction at all. I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I heard that might happen someday or that was conceivable. Um, with that, I didn't read any of the details, so maybe you can elaborate. Was, sure. was anything discussed, or has it been discussed really by any other media outlet, I think of an Alti World or anyone else, have any other details about plans or w- what that means for golf and disc golf and blah, blah, blah? Is, has well, any I think of that this, been laid out anywhere, simply because I haven't seen it? 
my guess is that this solidifies, not that there was a lot of, I think, again, the public perception versus the internal perception in disc golf, two different things. I don't believe that the Pro Tour is was really truly thinking about leaving Emporia. Didi brings so much to the table when it comes to this event that I that as much as the outside world, you know, screams and cries and complains about the Emporia courses, I, I think you're looking at two different worlds here. Now, Rusco is actually renaming it. It's no longer going to be called the Emporia Country Club. It's going to be mm-hmm. called Champions Landing. So um, he wants it to become like a Midwest tourist and entertainment destination for a lot of different things. Golf, disc golf, pickleball, cornhole, basketball, volleyball, craft beer, arts, and music. We'll see how many of those actually come to fruition. I could see throwing some pickleball courts because I think they already have tennis courts there, I believe, over on behind. So like converting to some pickleball courts, probably no problem. We already have the disc golf, which I'm sure will be modified. The course, he'll probably bring in... Uh, uh, our our good friend Eric McCabe to to look at the redesign and if you have no holds barred on what you can do, again I, I'm I'm excited to see what uh, what's going to come of it. And it says here, Champions Landing will solidify Emporia as the disc golf capital of the world and disc golf destination for decades to come. Uh, the expansion and utilization of the multi sport complex will attract a wide variety of sports of sporting events to the facility and to the city of Emporia, making a significant economic impact, to the overall quality of Emporia. Uh, I, I just have to assume that it's a pretty decently long article. I don't want to read it all on the, on the show, but if you can go to the Emporia Gazette or just do a, a Google news search for Jeremy Rusco, it's the first thing that pops up. Okay. Well, congratulations, Jim. We've seen a few years ago that they've, redid and created all the pickleball courts a lot of our players uh you'll see if you go to the emporia country club you'll see them over there uh playing pickleball i don't know if those are the nicest or the the, uh, some of the few i don't know how many other pickleball courts there are in emporia but if you said to me hey we need to go play pickleball that would be the first place i'd go just because i know they're right there off the the corner of the parking lot so to know that they want to develop it into so much more than what they already have there is is really cool. And I think about the clubhouse probably getting a facelift and some remodel of sorts. Uh, I would say after all these years, it's probably due for that. And like you said, if you want to turn it into a world-class facility, uh, yeah, a few upgrades and a few updates. I'm kind of looking forward to see what it, seeing what it looks like. Not kind of. I am looking forward to seeing what it looks like and how things are going to shake out out there. So. Uh, and that that's truly been one of the crowning moments for junior worlds, pro worlds, masters worlds, you know, all the world championships and the dynamic disc open that takes place there. Uh, they have a big women's uh, event that takes place in Emporia every single year uh, in the, in the latter half of the year. So, uh, you know, as we already know, Emporia knows disc golf, dynamic disc, you know, all of this ties together in such a, which should be obvious way. Uh, if you know anything about disc golf. So congratulations to him and um, looking forward to seeing where this goes and, and what comes of it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. All right. Next, our next topic of business talk. Um, the big announcement this past week that we saw was the disc golf pro tour and U disc separating for the 2024 season. So what I have to say is Udisc, 
I'm going to pull up a chair for you. Welcome to the club, buddies. <laughs> um, we've all been there with the Pro Tour at some point. Um, it is... Basically, the, the DGPT is teaming up. And it's hard to say teaming up because they already have an established relationship. In fact, I believe the PDGA is even some sort of investor in the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Um, that the Disc Golf Pro Tour is going to be moving their stats collection away from UDISC and over to the PDGA. Now, for those of you that probably play tournaments, which is most of us that more than likely listen to this podcast, you've used the Disc Golf, I'm sorry, the, the PDGA Live event thing, and you'll understand, you know, that it does not compare currently to what the UDISC stats keeping is. And I don't think you're going to see that compare this year. But the Pro Tour... Will I believe will get a a unique experience where it will more or less mimic the stat collection of what you just had and more is my understanding. Um, I clearly some of us we have some insider info, so it, it's hard to separate. You know, because we've Terry and I have known about this for months as far as that this was coming. Um, and. In fact, this has been talked about. This was ta- talked about last year, and the, the and the and the PDGA and DGPT and UDISC end up coming to an agreement, and there was all sorts of behind the scenes stuff. But this year, it the the DGPT finally pulled the trigger and said, "We're going to take the stats and the scorekeeping and just keep it all under the PDGA umbrella." And it hurts me a little bit in that. We love the guys at UDISCs. Uh, Josh and Matt, we, we've told the story before. Their very first Pro Tour event, me sitting down, cutting the show, right next to Josh, watching him like scramble as his servers are almost practically burning to the ground because of the traffic it was getting that they weren't expecting. And again, this is all virtual, but him like shutting down and spinning up servers and just the cluster it was... Um, of them trying to keep the stats, they didn't expect the number of views and and the site and what they have done and what they have accomplished over the last eight, nine, ten years almost with just uh, take the the actual scorekeeping for all your casuals aside. But what they've done for the pro tour has been amazing, and a lot of that will now continue with the DGPT, Terry. Break down for me how you feel or what you've been thinking about since you heard this news become public, or even what you've thought about the last couple of weeks or months that we've known about this. Well, I, I think so much of it is there's like a traditionalist in me that, as you just described, you know, day one, when Steve Dodge created the Pro Tour, uh, you know, he had a, a couple of key elements that were, you know, absolute must live scoring and enhanced live scoring mechanism or system and live broadcasting. And then the fact that the scoring obviously then integrated into the broadcasting, uh, you know, tied everything together. Those were staples. And those are things that to this day, hundreds of thousands of people 100% take for granted because they were established all of those years ago. And I've said it, 
probably now uh, 200 times. UDISC has revolutionized the game in what they've done for our live scorekeeping. And then even their mapping and, and the real reason why UDISC started, or the main reason why UDISC started in the first place, was so that people could find their way to a course and then have a good course review and have, you know, know the directions, find out where the courses are and all those things. Those, those are all the reasons UDISC started. And then to have UDISC step in and become the live scoring mechanism for the Pro Tour from day one, I, I just can't say enough. And, and Matt and Josh, like you said, uh, the, the starters, the founders, you know, great people that have worked more hours than you, you and I could ever possibly imagine doing very difficult. I mean, they're like just shy of performing brain surgery, I feel like, every day when they're doing what they're doing. And it's it's. <laughs> It's just incredible, though, to see what they've built into. And then I think of now flipping that all on its head a little bit of, of the funny responses and, and just the, the uh, polar responses that you get. One minute you have people, and I get it, this is the internet, I'll, save, I'll, I'll spare you my internet voice, but one moment you have people barking and yelling and screaming and throwing a fit about uh, the price of UDISC. And then the next minute you have them saying, but, but, but they're so important. How are you not teamed up? And so-and-so got shafted and so-and-so is screwing. So like, that's all. It's really hard for me to read that. That's nothing new. It's really hard for me to read all of the perceptions that get thrown out there online in terms of things. People really have no clue what they're talking about. And I, I, again, it's the internet. I understand. Um, but even just these responses, because of, you know, UDISC has gone through a couple different price changes and mechanisms. One minute, they're directly tied with the PDGA. I don't want to say one minute and one minute, they're not, <laughs> but for a year or whatever, the subscription is tied with the PDGA. Then there's a, a little change in the plan of how this happens versus how that happens and then what's offered. And then people are barking in favor and then they're barking in opposition. And I feel like this is another one of those situations. And uh, there's a lot of valuable people out there doing really, really important stuff. And you, I'll just say to like 99.9% .9 of the planet, you don't know what you're talking about um, when, when you're going out and lobbing out uh, these assumptions. Oh, well, so, and it, that's just it is a lot of people make this assumption about how someone screwed someone else. And there may be there may be a shred of truth to that, or there may not be zero truth to that, or or and and this is exactly uh, synonymous with player sponsorships for me. You see somebody go away from a team, and then the internet just pounds either on the player or on the, usually the sponsor about how bad or terrible or horrible that sponsor is. When maybe it had nothing to do with the sponsor, and the player just had completely different things in mind. It's but it's just not fair because it's the of public opinion i get it and uh there's just a lot of barking and whining and crying and yeah, one of the things that I, i've no being on an insider is is like uh mm -hmm. is like a, it's not a vice but it's i don't know it, there's a catch-22 about being an insider and knowing and i know i'm like this probably sounds super cocky i'm not trying to sound cocky like i know everything because i don't i clearly don't know every single detail of any of the negotiations but I'd like to say I know a little bit more than than average Joe uh, who is reading nothing but headlines. 
well, and it's and really I, frustrating to see so I've much s- vitriol thrown around. I've seen a lot of different posts on on you know Twitter, Reddit, Facebook about how like, oh man, now that they got Stat Mando, that's why they did all of this. And, and all I keep thinking is no. Like I said, there was serious talks about this last year before the Stat Mando. Uh, this was going to happen whether they had Stat, whether the PDGA acquired Stat Mando or not. Now, it, does it make it a little easier? Of course, those Stat Mando guys are great. We they're good friends of ours as well. Like you know, we. But having the Stat Mando guys will help out, maybe manipulate and add to the current stats that we have. But. This was going to happen whether stat, I, I feel like this year, whether whether, stat met, whether PDGA acquired Statman or not, this could have been an impetus of them saying, hey, we know this is coming. Let's grab, let's let's work with Statmando and bring them under uh, our wing and get, get this all together. But ultimately, the, I don't believe the, the Statmando um, acquisition had much had much to do with this decision particularly. And it really makes me it makes me laugh at a lot of at a lot of comments when on literally within like a month you hear people praise the pro tour that they're dumping vimeo oh my god i can't believe finally the the pro tour needs to deal with this they need to do what they're doing look at this it, you know we're finally getting rid of vimeo which has been with pro tour for a very long time they were a vendor as well um you know we're finally getting rid of vimeo and the pro tour bless the pro tour a month later when you know the udisc disc golf pro tour contract um is no longer in place i see the same people out there screaming this is the biggest incompetent pro tour you can imagine this is going to flop on its face i can't believe they're dumping these guys like you either trust in the pro tour or you don't. And, and and I get it. There are some people who do and some people who don't. Some people hate the pro tour. Some people love the pro tour. But I will say that talking to a few of the guys that have access to what is coming, I feel very confident that what we will see for scoring, what the public will see is going to be as good as UDISC is what I've heard. If not even better. And and I and it hurts me to say that because I know that the UDISC guys put a ton of effort in, so I don't want to diminish the work that they've put in. But the UDISC guys they've are also, also they've also helped yeah create a path though and they've also mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They've done a lot of the groundwork and legwork yeah. and, and clearly not like uh, other, you know, the PDGA and, and everyone else is just going out and being, mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, we're just going to, you know, grab all your code and copy it. But clearly there there is something about not being first to market that will have your advantage because you can learn mm-hmm. from what you just did really well and where they excel. And you can also see where maybe they didn't, you know, hit hit their mark that they wanted to or hit a mark. And and where they may not be as focused, uh, there's something to be said about coming in after somebody's blazed a trail, uh, because well, just that the trail's been blazed, mm-hmm. so now you uh, you have an easier path to walk. There's, yeah, there's I'm no sure that, that I'm sure that the PDGA, whatever the PDGA has to input the stats, will be similar to what UDISC has done. 
Like, that's my guess. Unless the PBJ has come up with a new concept on how to collect the stats that is just revolutionary, I, I can't, I personally can't wait to see it. Now, one of my concerns was the really awesome thing about UDISC. Now, UDISC, I'm, I'm, I'm setting aside all of the, the consumer stuff that they do because they do so much phenomenal stuff there. I'm really focused on what UDISC DGPT stuff and they, UDISC and DGPT tied together based on the graphics that were provided on the broadcast. UDISC, like, I, I, they didn't design the graphics because the Pro Tour designed the graphics, handed the graphics off to the to, to UDISC, and UDISC provided a web portal that the Pro Tour can grab those graphics from. But mm-hmm. the PDGA, my understanding is, mimicked that. Did It's going to look almost identical because the graphics, I don't believe, are changing yeah. this year. But what I see is for UDISC, it was really nice going to just UDISCLive.com, and there was your most current event. And I was worried that it was like, all right, well, am I going to have to go to PDGA Live, click into their live thing, look for the event, click on the event, look at all the different divisions, which is probably just MPO and FPO, to be honest, click on MPO when MPO is going on, which I'm thinking like, okay, it sucks that I'm going to have to go into like four or five different clicks where with UDISC, it was two. Maybe even one. You just live, and then I had to pick MPO or FPO. My understanding is that the Pro Tour is going to be the home of the live scoring, the Pro Tour site, not PDGA. Now, it will be on PDGA Live, so let's not you know, say anything crazy like that. But if you want this granular scoring, the, the, the ins and outs, the, the PDGA actually, I believe, built... A slider because with UDISC, when someone made a C1 or C2 putt, it was a distance. Like, hey, I want, you know, 10 to 12 feet, 13 to 20, whatever, and then 26, whatever the numbers mm-hmm. were, 11, whatever. Um, the PDGA is actually doing like a slider to give you almost an exact distance. So rather than, which may, or may the, not be that much better. Uh, and I only say that because I, think it, I only say that briefly is because it, it, I get it. Of course, you're giving somebody an opportunity to get down to the actual foot. So rather than 11 to 22 feet, you can put in 16 feet. I understand that ultimately is better. It will We're be still, better. you know, no one's going to know if it's 13 or 15. Though, no, right? I, I, you're, you're, you're right. But I hear you. Go on. Like you're, you're hundred percent right in that, that like you won't get down. This isn't like laser precision, but one of the things that I I was talking to someone in the control room about is, Hey, it's really, it's really difficult when I'm looking at you disc and I see a a 20 to 27 foot putt or whatever that number is. And I look at it and I'm like, Oh, let's take a look at it. And it's really like a a 20 foot tap in as opposed to like a 28 foot good putt. Having this will be a little bit more, a little bit more accurate. So we're we're, sure. we're we're narrowing in the view, which will be nice. It'll it'll be better statistics or more mm-hmm. slightly more accurate statistics. But my understanding is that there will be a website at the DGPT that will host the live scoring that will get all of the data from the PDGA and be able to show all that stuff. My guess is that on the PDGA, you're just going to get your normal PDGA live. What what we see now. Sure. With your just your scores, probably not, probably not the whole granular. And my source tells me that he he looked at what is going to happen, and it looks phenomenal. He said, it, like I said, he said it looks maybe even better than UDISC. Now, again, art is 
subjective. Someone may look at a website and be like, I like this better than this. If it gives all the same data, I, I, I don't know the resources that you just threw at the DGPT stuff. Cause clearly they have two different businesses. They've got their consumer side and they've got their pro tour side, but to have the PDGA really focused on this and the design of this and working with the pro tour very closely I know that the pro tour is very excited about what they have and I'm, and I'm excited for them. And this is like, this isn't just pro tour, uh, you know, you rah, rah type of stuff. This is someone who tells me their honest opinion about what they think. If, if it stunk, they would tell me, and then I wouldn't say anything online, but it's someone who's really excited about the way it looks. So I'm excited that we're going to see something a little different from what you disc had, I, I will. And again, just like I'm going to say with the live broadcast, this first event, I, I'm holding my breath because it is a, it's going to be a lot of new things. And I know that the, I talked to some of the guys in the control room a couple of days ago, they're running some, a bunch of uh, simulations this upcoming week to, to kind of test the live broadcast and see how all that stuff goes. But you don't know until you're in the trenches what's going to happen and what's going to go wrong. So I I would say have just a little, maybe one event leeway with the Pro Tour in their new scenario. They're very excited and I think they're very confident in what they're going to do. But I've been in behind the I've been behind the scenes when everything just goes south, and I, I don't predict that to happen. But I'm also not putting it out out like it can't happen. That's for sure. Well, uh, I, I wish everybody the best of luck. I, I feel like I uh, have repeated this a million times throughout uh, the last uh, 10 years of our podcast. Simmer down. Take a deep breath. Let's all just relax and let things unfold. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of immediate knee-jerk reactions of people just losing their minds. Of all course. sorts of different reasons. And and I uh, I get it like simmer down. I I get it, and we've got Josh uh, Josh Lichty on the board from UDisc. You know, one of the founders of UDisc. I I just and he says that we used to have the slider for the very for for 2016, but the volunteers didn't like it, and it was a little confusing for them. Totally get it, and I think that there's going to be a learning curve. And I'm not sure if the if we're going to have volunteer collected stats or if the players are going to be expected to do these stats in the PDG quote unquote PDGA live app. I, I'm not exact that yeah. part. I'm not sure how it's going to flow yet. Um, I will say, I bet you a lot of pros are going to be pulling in caddies if they didn't already have them. Um, and I get a lot of people's um, nervousness about this because if there's one thing that's been really, really consistent on the pro tour, it's UDisc. Like no matter what has happened, UDisc has been really solid. I can probably count the number of times on one or two hands where the UDisc website went down. Honestly, where it's like suddenly it's like, oh, crap. They they got overloaded, whether it was just suddenly it's a monster playoff and the UDisc started going, or or players or the course had crappy sell signals, so scores weren't updating like they should. Um, and a lot of that stuff isn't on UDisc, but of course they're going to get blamed for it just like anything else. You know, we can always place blame wherever it, it'll it's definitely gonna be interesting 
And on the flip side for Udisc, I'm really excited that they're going to be able to focus now solely on the consumer side. What can these extra resources that are no, that no longer have to go to the Pro Tour can now be focused on what is probably, no, I'm not even say probably, what is their core business and moneymaker in scoring for casual rounds and uh, and all these other things that they do in the U disc, the mapping and the distance and the the disc selection, all this other stuff. What can they now focus on um, to really improve that business and make it happen? I, I, I and as you said, they, this summer they announced uh, an increase in their price to thirty dollars a year, which, FYI, still a fucking steal. No matter what you think, it is a steal. Um, that was that was announced well before they knew what was happening with the Pro Tour. So this has nothing to do with that. Um, the Pro Tour business for them, it was. I don't even. I I don't even know if it was a money maker for them com- based on what they were doing for the Pro Tour, collecting volunteers, uh, all the server costs, the live scoring, the traffic, the ads, all this other stuff. So, in general, you know, shout out to both the Pro Tour and to UDisc because we know those guys are going to put in all of them. On both sides, they're going to put in the 100% effort and make two phenomenal good products. Yeah, and uh, Josh uh, is, like you said, is on the board. He says it was a different era, referring to uh, having to um, use that slider. It was a different era. We had to run the fairway hundreds of times telling people about what Circle 2 was. <laughs> good to try it again. So that, that's exactly it. Like, it, it was. You know, some of these terms and stats that have become synonymous with live scorekeeping and live disc golf and just disc golf vernacular in general. The fact that I, you know, can be in another country and somebody's talking about their C2 stats, like rewind 10 years ago. And that just, that conversation literally didn't exist. Uh, and now you have somebody who's been playing six months is talking about their C2 stats. It's crazy. So, and, and he also goes on to say, we're yep. happy to focus on, that and not have to worry every weekend the first time in nearly a decade, meaning that, like I said, the consumer side and all the other stuff they're working on. That is something that hits home very hard with me being that this year, I think I'm only doing like two or three broadcasts, not having to think about, trust me, Josh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Not having to realize like, Oh crap, here comes. And and I love doing the, the switching, but there is something about like, Oh, all right. Another Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we have to have somebody on t- on the team to monitor or be in front of a computer in case in case things break down or a player has a dispute about whether it was inside circle or outside circle. Josh, you're going to love it. I guarantee it. Go on vacation some weekend and just ignore the tour one weekend. It'll be well worth your time. So that one hits very close to home with me. Awesome. Well, best of luck to, uh, like you said, to everyone, all parties involved. Uh, I, I know there was some probably long, difficult conversations when it was all said and done, but um, it's going to be the start of something different, something new, and we'll see where it goes. And we wish the best for everyone. Yeah. Upstairs, I've got a really awesome, uh, even though it's a, it's a hair too small, Udis cat um, that I love. Mm. It's just a hair too small. I can only wear it for like a half hour before I kind of get a headache. So it's, it's like a, it's a short lived hat. Cause it's just a little too tight on me, but I love it. I love the design. Um, a little yeah, bit more, a little bit more. Yeah. You, and you have a much bigger head than I do. There's no way I'd fit your giant melon. Um, 
uh, a little bit one last business talk. Bum 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 business. Skip Ace has officially opened their. Oh, um, I'm going to talk in the third person, like I don't know who it is because it's me. Has has opened their site for managers to create and update leagues. If you're interested in forming a fantasy disc golf league, by all means, please go to skipbase.com and go to the login, or you can go right to app app.skipbase.com. We've got leagues, almost any any type of league you want, uh, whether it's Survivor, whether it's a weekly pick 'em, kind of like a draft uh, or a fan duel or something like that, or a yearly draft league where you you, you and a bunch of guys get together, go into a room and draft players. Um, we've got two different slates of events this year. Thank goodness we got rid of the the Silver Series. Those were nothing but a pain in my ass because half the time at the end of the season, you'd have players that just would sign up for all these Silver Series and not show up. So we had to make decisions on the fly last year about do we include this event or don't we? Because, you know, there were five pros that, you know, were going to play, but now they were down to one. We just eliminated all the Silver Series. and We've got two slates. You've got a North American all the DGPT and majors, and you've got what I call the full tour, which is the DGPT majors, including the European elite series events and majors. So if 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 you wanna if you wanna be a, a tough guy and play the full tour, and and you, then you get to deal with all the players that travel, which I think there's a lot of them this year, so I don't think it's too big of a a, a haul. You go with the full tour if you want to just stick with the people that you know the 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 North American events. Pick the North North American tour slate, and you don't have to worry about the uh, the European swing and what players will or won't be playing. I'm excited. We have live scoring this season, so for the leagues that are out there, uh, custom leagues that do uh, draft, it's going to be a draft and uh, I believe pick up. No, not pick up. Just the draft leagues have live scoring, so you'll be able to watch your team lose to the guy who auto picked their team like Terry Miller would do and still somehow pull out this year's um, (laughs) uh, Parker Welk. And you're like, no one knew who Parker Welk was. Your team auto-drafted him and he's winning and you're losing to that guy. You're going to be able to watch that in in live time. Uh, We're working on a few other uh, options for scoring that I was really, really hoping would be done by now. But unfortunately due to some, I don't say delays, but some major technical debt as it was called with kind of built the way the site was built for the last 10 years that had to be completely wiped and redone. Um, we're not quite there. We're hoping it gets done by the beginning of the season. If not, I have some ideas that I'll talk about maybe later this, uh, this month, if anything happens, but skip base is mostly free. It costs like $15 to create a league and that's it. The commissioner pays 15 bucks. If he wants, he can collect. You can have as many people in your league as you want. And everybody else plays for free. So go out, sign up at skipace.com. Uh, I think I've I looked and I've got, you know, a, a couple dozen leagues that have already signed up for just today, which I'm really excited about considering the the email blast to the 20, 25,000 people went out today. Uh, so I'm really excited. Hopefully we can get this get this moving and maybe not uh not my wife's not around here not lose some money this year or not lose a bunch of money i'm going to lose mm. some money but not lose a bunch of money when you when you get really really rich you should buy an, like uh an island in thailand i right. okay just, just i don't know just a whole island with book courses on it 
uh, it would be a good time. Like, like, good do, do I need to get like you disc rich or just? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I That's mean, a no comment from Terry Miller. <laughs> they, they, they enrich my lives. Um, <laughs> well, that's awesome. I know that's been a ton of work and you know, when, when it's beyond your control, cause you're relying on, you know, you have some insight and some skills, but then you're relying on programmers to kind of take your vision and your idea. And then the intricacies that go along with disc golf, just like any other scoring for any other sport, there's always going to be these oddities. And then <laughs> dare I say, rewind to the conversation we had a little while ago about the Tallahassee event and think about what in the world happens in the event of a tie for first, which like should, in theory, shouldn't happen, but happens yep. once a year. Like, uh, yeah, all of those types of things along that with was programmer brains. Quite literally a conversation I had with my programmer like earlier or late last week. He's like, hey, I, I noticed, you know, how do we know how many rounds are in an event? I'm like, well the PDGA has, you know, X amount of rounds. And when it's done, it says complete and this and that he's like, well, are there ever any less rounds than what's stated? I'm like, well, yeah, for rain delays, sometimes that happens and you can get a tie. I'm Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't happen very often, but then a normal three round event would be a two round event or a four round would be a three round. It could be different from men versus women. And and that's just it. It's different from MPO versus FPO. It, it's not an easy thing to to deal with, and so that's why that's actually one of the reasons why things didn't go as quickly as planned. Because normally the programming cycle goes from like we kind of start updating the site at the end of October when all the events end, and we go until like February. Like February first is usually the cutoff date, but I'm hoping we can maybe push some things out. I've got to talk to my developer about some options. I, ooh, oh, I've got some plans and I don't know if they're going to happen or not, but I'm hoping if not worst case scenario, we got live scoring this year. Like that's a big yeah. hurdle that I've been looking for for a long time. And I want to give a huge monster, massive shout out to OTB discs. OTB discs stepped up this year. I, I sent an email and said, Hey, um, I'm looking for a sponsor for, uh, our, our pro member. So for skip base pro for $10 for the whole year, you get, you can then enter into a It's almost weekly. It's every time there's a DGPT or major. And as we know, those are almost every week this year, you can enter into a competition where you win a OTB gift certificate. They're just going to hand me gift certificates and I'm going to hand them back out to you. And we're going to do that. And that's $10 for the entire year you'll get access to these events. So shout, huge shout out to uh, our new UDISC, or I'm sorry, UDISC, <laughs> our new sponsor OTB for Skip Ace. Uh, I was just looking at the board and someone had said UDISC. Um, our new sponsor for OTB Discs, um, that you're going to get a gift certificate for every, an option for a gift certificate for every week. And I'm, I'm really excited to work with them. And I put a big fat logo on their on the live scoring, which I think they're getting a killer deal for because, you know, Whatever gift certificates they're giving me, um, I, I put a big, big fat logo up there. And at the end of the year, I'll look at how many how many impressions that page got, and I'll be like, "Hey, look, you got technically X amount of advertising." So, but you know what? Every time I've reached out to those guys, they have been so awesome to work with. So, and he he didn't even. I think I emailed. I think it was Danny at OTB. I messaged him, and he was just literally. I think it was four words. He's like, "For sure, dude, we're in." I'm like. Awesome. Nice. 
Like I just, he, he didn't ask. Doesn't he, surprise me. Me neither. He didn't ask a single question. So um, if you're going to buy discs online, I recommend two different places. One, Terry Miller, but two, OTB discs. Go there if Terry Miller doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, I got stuff. I got I know you got uh, stuff. Terry. Boxes continue to ship. I was just going to say boxes continue to ship uh, and get fulfilled, even though I'm in Thailand. I've had a bunch of people reach out. And we're still getting them out to you guys. So I, I want to let everyone know that. Well, Johnny, uh, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Like you said, plenty of business here to talk about this week. And uh, we're just a few weeks away from All-Star Weekend. Uh, I know when I get back, I'll be home for just a couple of days, then turning around and heading out to Bend so I can help all the shots for All-Star Weekend. And the uh, week after that, chess.com event. And wow, uh, where where did our quote-unquote off-season go? I would give them. I'd give my left leg for like three more weeks of off season for just for skip base reasons. Yeah. Like I just want a little yeah. more time. Uh, but yeah, don't we gonna... all? Cause I, I would visit uh, Vietnam and Cambodia for the next <laughs> couple of weeks of tournaments. If we had more time, I, I would be staying here in Asia. So, uh, well, let's wrap things up. Um, do you have stuff for an after show? I, I could forego it because it's my last I don't day on really. the island and I got, uh, I got stuff to do. Yeah, it's and, pretty uh, early there for you, so in. it makes sense for you to kind of well, get up. Actually, you know what? I'll come back good. I'll come back for an after show by myself. How does that sound? And There you go. That sounds we'll, great. We'll chat because Ray, Ray wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some tech stuff, I think, and we'll go off. Sure. And if, the, if it's a 10-minute after show, great. If it's a 50-minute after show, it's, it's only 9.55. I got lots of time. Great, great, everybody. Gear up. Buckle up. You got Johnny D solo. Uh, with that, um, thank you guys for joining us. It's been incredible. You know, you continue to hear me and hopefully hundreds of others uh, with, the, with the accolades of accolades and or their experience, just overall positive experiences of being here on the island. Samui Disc Golf aside, like aside from my physical, personal investment here, this was a place that I fell in love with when I first came, not having any idea that someday I would be have some ownership of it in any capacity. So my heart has been here uh, from day one, and, and that's all thanks to Nigel Mills and then with and his family, and then also with Luke and uh, all, all the people that he surrounded himself with have made it possible here. So one final shout out. I'm excited to go see uh, the growing community up in Chiang Mai as well. Uh, when I get up there tomorrow. So big thanks to everybody that's tuned in. That's been part of this ride in this journey. Coverage will continue to get edited and eventually released. I'm, I'm somehow refraining from making it my top priority right now because I want to, there's only so many minutes of the year I'm in Thailand and uh, slaving over the edits. Um, that can wait. We, we, yeah, it can wait. That's what I'm trying to teach myself. So, Johnny, thank you. Thank you to Luke Butch for joining us in the regular show. Thank you to all the players that are out here enjoying golfing. I'm watching tourists literally get dropped off at the, at the <laughs> driveway and stepping up to this course for their first time ever. I think I've watched four or six different tourists do that since the show started. And uh, it just it warms my heart. Um, it, it's incredible to see. And hopefully we'll see that growth along with all the other companies and business decisions we talked about during today's show. So for Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy. That's 492. Stick around. Johnny V's got some more stuff for the after show. I'm going to go uh, visit my buddy, uh, Luke, from Australia. 
and send him off on his way and uh, wish everyone else the best from here in Samui uh, next week. I think I'll either be in, I'll be in the States. I don't know where I'll be, but I'll be in the States and I'll join you there. So 492's regular show. We'll see you guys in the after show. Johnny will be there. We'll see you in the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.